This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's where State Farm Small Business Insurance comes in. State Farm agents are small business owners themselves, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. I'm Josh Muccio, and from Gimlet Media, this is The Pitch, where real entrepreneurs pitch to real investors. Hello. Hi. Hi, John. Hi, guys. Thanks for, uh, for, for joining me and for having me. Absolutely. Yeah. That's Jillian Manis from Structure Capital introducing herself to today's startup founder. Alongside Jillian are three more investors, Phil Nadell from Forefront Venture Partners, Daniel Galati from Comcast Ventures, and angel investor and recent cryptocurrency poster child, James Altucher. A quick note, if you heard an earlier episode, Sandbox Commerce, and you're wondering if we've heard back from James yet, the answer is no. But this pitch was recorded back in August of 2017. Okay, on with the show. Our investors are all here today to hear from John Rinaldi, founder and CEO of today's startup, Geobit. 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 Like, um, geolocation. Yes. Um, and bit like small. Okay. I know I know both. Yeah. I'm familiar with both. That's great. <laughs> so they've got the name down. But behind a lot of truly great companies and company names is a personal story. And John's is a doozy. Parents, brace yourselves. So about two years ago, almost exactly, my wife and I took our family to downtown Chicago. I'm from Chicago. We showed up. Oceans of people, of course. We go to a park. Oceans of kids. Uh... Parents, nightmare, kids, dream. Um, my wife and I split up. I took my son. My wife took my daughter. So um, I had my son. I looked left, or I, I can't tell you exactly how, but I think you guys, many of you have kids, probably a little bit older. But you remember the time where you just can't see them for a second. I look left, I look right. Poof. Ethan yes. is his name. He's gone. Um... Couple seconds turn to a couple minutes. Oh, yes. Couple minutes turn to 10 minutes. Oh, no. So I recruit parents. We're running around. Yes. I'm telling you know, what he looks like. I have my phone out. I'm showing pictures. And um, 30 minutes later, I never found him. He found me. So How it did ends, he find you? Uh, I, I suspect he actually probably always saw mm -hmm. sort of where I was. Yes. And I just never saw him. Children are so wily. So fortunately, John's story had a happy ending, but it left an impression on him. He knew he never wanted to be in that position ever again. I came back from this and I bought every single type of kind of tracking device I could possibly get my hands on. They're all like just terrible, big, bulky, like shoddy engineering, no innovation, no design. Uh, they lasted maybe a day, if that, like every time I'd go grab them, they're out of power. And I thought, hey, I've always wanted to start my own business and just never had the right idea. Um, and so I pitched my wife the idea and she said, let's let's go do it. 
So John set out to create a better way for parents to keep track of their kids. At the time, he was a vice president at Motorola, so he knew how wireless chips worked, a technology he was able to customize for his own device. What he eventually came up with was Geobit. It is the world's smallest and longest lasting smart tag, we call it smart tag. John is here today to ask investors for $750,000 to help bring his smart tag into the market. So what is this smart tag? And I can just show you too. Yes, It's absolutely. always good to show and tell when you have physical products. Right. Um, so this is Geobit. So you're tag. pulling out uh, what looks like a slightly bigger uh, guitar pick like. Yeah, yeah, or head of, of an arrow. Head exactly. of an arrow, yeah. another way to put it. That's probably a good idea. Um, and it's like, the size of like two quarters yeah. or something. Yes. Yeah. What our investors are struggling to describe is a small plastic fob about the size of a car's keyless remote. It retails for 150 bucks. John shows investors an array of interchangeable attachments, loops, and clips that a parent can swap out to fasten the geobit to their kid's backpack, shoelace, belt loop, whatever. And you feel um, like you can clip it onto them so they're not going to take off that piece of clothing. Yeah, so there's a childproof lock system. So similar like you have like a medicine bottle where you have to have a certain amount of dexterity to yes. actually remove it. We have a similar type of okay. child lock mechanism. Once the Geobit is attached to their kid, a parent can track them through an app on their smartphone. If their kid gets lost, like what happened to John in Chicago, a parent can immediately open up the app and find their kid. According to John, this is the product parents have been waiting for. So there are a lot of products out there, yeah. okay? And, and I know quite a bit of them, in fact. There's everything from sort of the basic, which are tiles, yeah. Yeah. right? Which Sorry. people, tiles, people use tiles on their children, by the way. Yeah, they okay, don't know that so they don't know. work. Totally. Okay. Yeah. Well, they do work, to tell you the truth. They actually, a lot of them do work. So I'm just saying there's yeah. a lot on the market. Mm -hmm. So how, how do you do to distinguish yourself? Yeah, I, I agree with you. How is this product unique and different? Yeah. What's the technology that makes it yeah. special? So, um, what we, our primary tech, what we call is progressive beaconing. Um, and what it does is really tries to solve the battery problem that so many consumer electronics have, particularly location products that just draw an amazing amount of, of battery, which is why they only last about a day. Um, through this technology breakthrough, we can last up to 30 times longer than the best products in the market today. So 30 days? Uh, up to 60 days. But this is not your own battery. This is not a, this is not your own eye. No, so okay. the, the way that progressive beaconing works, it traverses all of different radio frequencies. Uh, it really has all the same tech that's in your smartphone, but in something the size of about a quarter. Um, so every radio that's in your smartphone, Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, cellular, GPS, all in our custom systems architecture. The technology John calls progressive beaconing, patent pending, works by piggybacking on the cellular signal of your family's phones. According to John, this allows it to use the least amount of battery possible, thus lasting weeks on end, way longer than any other geotracker currently on the market. And so why do you need to conserve battery if mm -hmm. the use case is a day trip with your children? Yeah, so what I found was every time, well, I have lots of things I charge in my house, like tablets, computers, phones. Um, and so even though sometimes I would use it for day trips, but actually I was using it most every day because they go to school. I never knew when this would happen. So I was putting it on them all the time. To Daniel's point, I mean, why not just charge it every night one one thing that I found when I was using these products uh, was that when I did go to use them every day, there were, or when I wanted to use them, they were always out of battery. I, I just forgot. 
And for us, um, having something that just could take out a little bit more anxiety in my day, make it things just a little bit easier and not have to worry about charging this thing all the time made my life a lot easier for that. Okay. The investors look a bit dubious. Sure, charging things is kind of a pain in the ass, but is it a big enough pain to build a whole company around? It's a reasonably crowded yes. landscape for these general, you know, yes. sort of beaconing devices. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and so what? What's yeah. the differentiation here? So is it is it the core kind of thirty x longer technology? Yeah. Is it the go to market? So software wise, uh, obviously, mom and dad have a smartphone app. Yeah. Um, software on the device itself. Uh, we use machine learning to employ different types of routes and behaviors and routines. So like a Nest thermostat, you don't really set it up. It just kind of learns your, what you do with it. Uh, same here. So Geobit is more than just another geotracker with a long lasting battery. It's also super smart. It learns where home is. It learns where school is. It learns the bus route. Tells you when you get to school. Tells when you duck get school. Why is that important? Um, because I want to know when my child deviates from that routine. Like, okay. if they're taking the same path to school every day, like, I'm fine. Don't tell me any differently. But if they're not, that's when I want to know. So it alerts you? Correct. When they It'll send deviate. me a push message right to my well, that's phone. That's interesting. Um, does it do any of the other products out there do that? No. Nope. Um, so... We, phone does. A phone, yeah, of course. Yeah, and this so is, that's the other thing in terms of the age range here. That's right. Because people are giving their kids phones earlier just to keep in touch with them around 10 years old, some of them as early as eight years but, old. But the phone will track phone location. Phone. It won't learn the route. Find my phone, found, I, find my, but it does learn. So how does this differentiate for if the child has a phone and you're able to track yeah. them using the phone? I mean, kids who are 10, 8, 10, I mean, I don't know where I go if they have phones. So in, in more uh, affluent neighborhoods, you're right. Uh, on average, though, in the United States, uh, definitely not. And yet, but this is $150 to buy one of these things. So in an affluent, $150 is a lot for anybody to spend who is, as you said, not in the affluent neighborhood. Yep. Exactly I mean, this is a we, lot. That's exactly, you probably get a yes. phone for yes. 320 yeah. oh, bucks a month. Exactly. You can actually get less. Exactly why we want to, with scale, bring that down to the price points we talked about, right? We're obviously going to have higher costs yeah. right away, right? And you're totally right. As you scale, those are the price points you want to be at. Um, a two-year-old or three-year-old isn't going to have a smartphone, right? Uh, so you, you need to have something that's not a phone um, th for those age groups. So yeah, kindergartners may not have cell phones. But as investors are quick to point out, kids are getting phones earlier and earlier. In fact, a 2016 study by Research Central pegged the average age for getting a first smartphone at 10. In 2012, that age was 12. But this phone question may not even matter. The kid geotracking market is only one vertical, and John's progressive beaconing technology might have infinite other possible uses. I would argue that your progressive beaconing technology is actually way more powerful in like, sure. you know, any other vertical besides the one that you've chosen. Yeah. Um, I mean, we are like luggage, like let's take luggage, for example, yeah. which is like I can stick that, you know, yeah. I can stick that uh, device into my yeah. into my luggage. Yeah. I never have to, you know, I don't have to think about it on a trip, totally. you know, and I can charge it when I get totally. back home. Yes. And so yes. why why the sort yep. of initial focus on, you know, the kid problem when yep. you could be solving a gazillion other problems. People that we, we did open up just um, kind of a soft launch um, without really doing any marketing. Um, and uh, those pre-order people started hitting us up and they started buying it for pets. A pretty natural extension given that people that don't have kids but pets 
many times treat them like children uh, or just as important. They're their most precious asset. Um, and the battery life is obviously super important to those because you don't want to have to go take it off your collar every 24 yeah. hours, right? So having something that lasts 30 days, 60 days is super important. Why haven't you, why don't you guys just test 10 form factors and 10 verticals, right? Like do pets, do kids. If it's, yep. if it's not that hard to change the form factor, put it all up on the site, you know, spend six months really figuring out. I just yep. worry that yep. we've, we've sort of hit this local maxima around kids. We've sort of anchored around kids because you have this experience and, yep. you know, obviously that's important, but like, yep. you know, is there a 10X bigger business sort of right next to us that we're not seeing? <laughs> We've seen this before. Sometimes investors get so captivated with an idea that they can't help but imagine a whole new world of possibilities. Possibilities that appear to have a much bigger payout at the end of the rainbow. But what happens when that pot of gold isn't the same pot of gold the entrepreneur is going after? For now, I mean, focused on two consumer markets as we expand, these are things we'll definitely be looking at. But for the two consumer markets, I mean, brand is just as important as tech uh, and building that out. So we are starting to invest in that. We, we see so many companies where the founder, the founding team kind of come in with this hypothesis on a vertical. Yeah. And that hypothesis is just completely wrong. And, and there's actually, you know, this other vertical that's that's easily reachable yep. and just like kind of right next door yep. that results in a much, much bigger business. Yeah, no, granted, it, you know, it's born out of your traumatic experience. Yeah. So you have yep. an identity with that solution. But, but that's not always but, the biggest business. But that that's right. what and I'm that's saying. So I, I, I'm like, saying you have exactly. to sort of exactly. step back and look at the other use cases more analytically and, and not emotionally. I and totally say, agree. Yeah. And this is exactly the reason why we're launching pets in two weeks and exactly why we're taking those conversations with these companies to talk about and understand what their needs are and we're coming to realize the same product can be used we actually don't have to change the software so john is willing to grow geobit beyond just the kids market he's just saying one thing at a time first kids then pets then who knows maybe luggage but all in due time so have you launched this product yet? We have not. So we'll ship it in a couple months. Okay. And, and what are you um, looking to raise and at what, uh, at what valuation? We raised 4.6 million already um, to really develop all the technology. You raised 4.6 million? That's yes. a lot. What valuation? Uh, our post money is 13. Wow. Okay, so this is pre, I mean, you've no radar, you have pre-beta. Okay, uh, we've been doing betas already on our uh, first product. So this oh. product here, oh. we changed the design. Oh, um, okay. So this has been in beta for some time. What do your orders look like right now? So we haven't spent any marketing. Uh, we sold about 75,000 worth of inventory uh, with monthly reoccurrings of like eight grand. Over what period of time? Uh, like a week. You've done $75,000 of sales in a week. Yeah. So how much runway do you have off the 4.6? Um, we'll be mm, February. Okay, so you have until February until you run out of yep. runway. Okay. And this would and give this us another 12 months. Another 12 months. So this funding John is asking for would buy him another year to get Geobit off the ground. And even though Jillian seemed a bit shocked by the company's $13 million valuation, the investors were all impressed by the 75 k in pre-orders John brought in in just one week. Has he managed to convince them that Geobit's revolutionary technology is worth the hefty price? 
Here's Daniel. Almost all of our successful portfolio companies have started with a really deep founder pain point, a really personal founder pain point. And, and that doesn't guarantee success, but I think it's kind of a necessary condition, right? And I, I definitely, I mean, the way you, you didn't walk in and pitch this as a uh, hardware startup, you pitched it as a, a, pro, a solution to a problem that you had. And I think, I think that is really compelling. I think you uh, are really compelling. Um, I think this is, a, this is a market and a space with just lots of competing substitutes, mm-hmm. whether it's uh, subderm chips, whether it's uh, smartphones. It's, you have this sea of substitution that, uh, that could happen here. And so that's a big worry for me, mm-hmm. frankly. Um, and then the last piece I think about is just ownership for the fund. Mm-hmm. So if you're raising 700K on a $15 million valuation, it's just not going to get us the, you know, the, the VC ownership that we need to, to move the needle. Yes. Um, and so, so despite what I said about you being a, an absolutely compelling founder, um, just for those reasons, I'm going to have to pass with Daniel out, it's on to Phil. I just want to jump in and say, yeah, yes. you know, for me, uh, I think the tech is really cool. I, there are a whole bunch of opportunities here. Yeah. Uh, you really seem to have your stuff together and know what you're talking about, and it looks like you've assembled a great team. It, it for me, it, it's a little too early. I want to, yeah. I'd want to see it further developed into certain use cases where you're showing some traction, yep. getting some actual orders, which sounds like it's very soon. Yep. Um, so for me, I'm, I'm a pass. I think you're, you're off to a great start and I wish you all the best. Phil's out. Here's James. So I'm sort of in line with everybody here, <laughs> but I, I think to, to Daniel's point, I think it's okay if you go out with any use case and you'll sort of figure it out as you go along like that will kind of evolve with just your incoming phone calls and and you'll be surprised and we'll all be surprised six months you'll be you know the luggage company or the construction you know or or the api company something will happen many companies pivot and find their right spot with their technology for me i'm they're a venture capitalist i'm an angel investor so the valuation puts me out right away i i think i think for you a great return on this is if you close this round, you so, show some use cases, Motorola or Google or whoever comes along and buys you for 80 million and you become a very wealthy man and we make five extra money is not as, as interesting to me. So I have to pass for that, but I do think you're going to end up doing well with this. Three of four investors are out. Now it's up to Jillian. Um, I have to be honest with you. I have been actually completely schizophrenic on this one because half of me is saying for all the reasons Daniel has ticked off um, this just doesn't make sense. One of the biggest problems for me is the yes, the competitive landscape I, I, I know a bit about but I'm going to have to know more of because I yep. don't know your technology well enough yep. and so I can't really uh, assess it right in this immediate moment and juxtapose it to everything out there, including Revlar and the other ones. This would take more a dive for me, okay? 
I love this. I love the why on this, okay? We are most precious, precious cargo, our most precious possession are our children. Yep. Anything to make them iPhones. more safe. Um, that said, I am going to pass. Okay. Thank, Thank you, you for so very great to meet much. You. It was yeah. really great to meet you. I love your energy, by the way. I love your smile. Yeah. I love your determination. Thank you for coming in. Yeah. And uh, I'm glad you found Ethan. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time, guys. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you so much. After John leaves the room, the investors delve into a few of the sticking points in his pitch. I'm trying to figure out how much he... Well, he only has until February right now. Right. But it's not a ton of run, no. That's why I think he does If he's rated 4.6, there has to be someone, you do an internal round of just a small seed extension to bump to the seven, you get that 750. So that's, there was a definite disconnect there. Well, how do you guys feel about coming in and these seed extensions? It always always worries me as an outside investor to come in on a seed extension where... The first question I'm asking is why an insider is doing this. Okay. Right, right. I, I, it, unless they're trying to get a seed extent, unless they're going for strategic seed, unless they ha- they're trying to bring someone in, which we do often, that we don't have that area of expertise in on the team or on the board now. So but a lot of times with these extensions, like, yes, the insiders just, are participating yeah. and they're just trying to bring in some additional investment. Sometimes, yeah. yes. but a lot yeah. of times they're not. If they're I, not, then it raises yeah. a red flag. I, 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 I wouldn't I, do it. I never... When we come back, we find out if these so-called red flags were big enough to keep other potential investors at bay, and whether customers have been coming up with their own uses for GeoBet these days. Coming up after the break. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. We talk to a lot of entrepreneurs on the show, and one thread that connects them all, they're not just pitching their business, they're pitching themselves. Because small business owners know that their business is more than just a company, it's their whole life. And State Farm gets that. State Farm agents are small business owners too, and they know what it takes. They can help you choose personalized policies that fit your budget. That's the personal touch. That's small business insurance from State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. Small business owners know that it's not just business, it's personal. Your business is your life, and State Farm gets that. State Farm agents are small business owners too, so they know what it takes. They can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. And they live and work in your community. So you're not just getting an insurance plan, you're getting that personal touch. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Welcome back. So it's been five months since this pitch, and I wanted to get John on the phone to find out how Geobit was doing and hear what he thought of his pitch experience, especially the feedback he got from the investors. They seemed concerned that you weren't focusing on other verticals other than children and pets, and that there might be (laughs) money left on the table. And 
But GeoBit started out as a personal project of yours, scratching yes. your own itch for a need you felt. Mm -hmm. What did it feel like to have the investors challenging you about whether your approach to focus on kids first was the right one? Um, it's one that I have heard before and I agree with um, in, in the sense that I think there's a bigger market. Um, I've always thought that way and I've always pitched my company that way. Really? But, but I also understand that you can be incredibly distracted by boiling the ocean. Uh, and so just having that true north, like what is the first problem that we're going to go out and solve? And like at least going out and solving one, like really, really freaking well. And then thinking, okay, now we've done this, where else can we go with it? When you think of like uh, any, I mean, we're, we're probably no different than many others, but like smart hardware, you have a little bit of service, you have a little bit of software, you have a little mm -hmm. bit of hardware, right. you know, it, all the, um, like you're doing so much that to then layer on top of that, like five or four or three or two different mm -hmm. verticals, sure. um, it seems like you, you could probably get, you know, distracted pretty easily. Um, yeah. So it was always not, yes, you're totally right. Like it was scratching my own itch, had a problem, wanted to solve it, very passionate about that. But we also realized pretty quickly as we started building the tech and the product that there would be other markets that had similar problems and that eventually we'd go solve those too. So you agree that there's a bigger market out there. Yeah. But that totally. like- kids was your beachhead beachhead anyway because you knew you had to focus on something um yep. why not focus on the bigger market first if you know it's a bigger potentially bigger market well the the thought was if we go solve this market um parents are really particular they're very concerned about security um, you're building something incredibly small for small children. So it's going to be small, lightweight. It's got to last forever because no one wants to recharge this stuff every day. So if you start solving those things, you inherently start solving lots of other things of other markets. That was our hypothesis. So you create a GeoBit out of this personal pain point to know where your kids are at all times and feel confident that that like they're where they should be and that they're safe. Do you still feel like the company has this core value that's personal to you? Yes. I think it's, it's important to have a mission for the company and for your employees. Like you need to have a very passionate, real motivating true North that rallies everyone around. They can really feel it. They can see the impact you're having. They can hear from customers and the, and the way you're helping them. And that's massively inspiring and focused. And yes, everyone in my company knows there are other opportunities, but the inspiration comes from this one. And it's an inspiring, it's an inspiring mission that people can rally behind and feel good about like wanting to go to work every day and like do really cool shit. What's been the initial response uh, from customers who've received the product so far? So, um, the interesting thing that we didn't think about is the, the different ways that the product ends up getting used. And I think probably most entrepreneurs will say the same thing is like, you think your product will be used this way and it ends up being used, yes, that way, but then in these other ways too. So what, what's been a use case that surprised you? Um, I didn't anticipate, although it probably seems very logical 
but I did not anticipate the number of special needs children that would use the product. Oh. And we're still learning this and just like reacting to it because it was not our intent. And, <laughs> and I certainly don't know enough about this to be a, a source of, of truth or authority on the topic. Sure. But what I'm, what I'm relaying is what I'm hearing. Um, and it's just simply that there's a, an enhanced fear or I should say worry um, about them not, you know, maybe not being fully aware of the surroundings or many times autistic children uh, will be distracted and uh, they'll they'll focus in on something, yeah. And they'll you know see something maybe across the room, or across the street, or whatever that is, and they're just fixated on it. And we'll just it won't matter if they know they should stay in this location or whatever. They'll just go to it, um, and so they can be very distracted. And it's and it's a worry that many parents have, especially as children, of their children just basically getting up and walking or whether it's maybe they're taking a bus mm -hmm. and they're worried about getting to school or a variety of reasons. But it, it is one area that was the surprising aspect of the number of parents that had special needs children that were that were very, very um, concerned about this and also incredibly frustrated with the products that are in the market. Uh, a very visceral reaction of just like, not just frustration of like me losing my kid at the park, but like there, this is like a really, really um, sharp pain yeah. um, that they're trying to solve. Yeah, that would be really scary. Um, and I can see why that would be really encouraging to you. Those are the ones that like you, you hear about and you're like, and, and you'll have a customer come back and send you an email saying, you know, um, my kid was, um, you know, on, he got on the wrong bus today and he oh didn't gosh. know it. And oh, I was wow. able to, you know, communicate with the school and it's just things like this that you just like, well, I never would have thought that that's how it would be used. And that's great to see that being used that way. Um, and those are some great inspirational stories that make us want to continue to to, uh, to do cool shit. Geobit, doing cool shit and maybe saving a few lives along the way. In addition to innovating on their product, John also said Geobit has successfully raised the 750K he was looking for. In fact, he's raised double that. So this pitch got me thinking. It seems like there's this implicit tug of war between a founder's original vision and an investor's instinct of how to grow the company. On one hand, no one can ever know more about a company than its founder. But then again, investors are experienced in quickly sizing up the biggest opportunities available. And sometimes they can see blind spots that the founder doesn't see. So what do you think? How does a founder know when they should stick to their guns or when they should let someone else dictate the direction of their company? And have you ever been in this position? Join the conversation over at thepitch.show slash discuss. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. And one last thing, applications are about to close for the next recording event in February. So if you're a startup founder or you know someone who is, you can apply at thepitch.show slash apply. We're looking for companies in the seed stage with early traction. We aren't looking for companies in any specific vertical. Our focus is on finding startup founders who have a story to tell.
Our show is produced by me, Josh Muccio, Molly Donahue, and Kareem Maddox. We are edited by Devin Taylor. We are mixed by Enoch Kim with help from Matt Bowl. Original music composed by The Musemaker and Bobby Lord. Our theme music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. Lisa Muccio plans our recording events, and thanks to Asta Chaturvedi for her reporting on this episode. And for introducing us to GeoBit, I have Nick Moran of New Stack Ventures and the Full Ratchet Podcast to thank. And as a reminder, no offer to invest is being made to or solicited from the listening audience on today's show. All right, you've been listening to The Pitch from Gimlet Media. See you next week. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's where State Farm Small Business Insurance comes in. State Farm agents are small business owners themselves, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. So, by the way, you should have a little, um, you should have a photo of your child. So, Ethan is actually the photo that pops up, not a little uh, Dragon Ball character. Yeah, Dragon Ball character. A little Pokemon. Pokemon. It's funny, that is a photo of my child. Yes, is that right? (laughs) How did you get that? I don't understand. Okay, so the API.